Derek, before we start the show, we're going to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to sell your Magic the Gathering, to get your Magic the Gathering singles. This week, we have a commander sale up to 40% off, and today, we just upgraded the look. Um, much overdue, the site looked like a 90s website for so long, and we gave it a facelift uh, today, and hopefully, you guys can check it out and, and, and buy some stuff. But, for our guest today, we got Michael Rapp. GP champion, Toronto champion, got a, a chance to talk to him after his win, was checking him playing against uh, Kale, beat Kale Thompson, your boy Andy, uh, in the top four, I believe, and uh, ended up winning the whole thing with Death Shadow. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, guys, how's it going? Okay, okay. So you ended up winning GP Toronto. So while, while we have you, while the connection's okay, let's get down to it. Uh, heading into Mythic Championship London, to be expected that you were going to be playing Death Shadow. Uh, how, how, what were you thinking about uh, heading into that tournament? Where was your uh, head at in terms of modern? Honestly, I spent probably five or six weeks before the tournament playing everything I could think of on Moto, trying to convince myself not to play Death Shadow. Uh, and it did not work at all. <laughs> so I ended up registering Death Shadow for the event and. It did okay with it. Were there were there any changes that that you made since Toronto? Uh, yeah, we dropped some of the cute stuff, like the Shattering Blow became a real card. Um, we took Liliana the Veil out of the deck. Uh, we moved towards more engineered explosives. There's a lot of sideboard changes. Uh, we started playing Jason Prince Prodigy in the main deck. Um, I think that was after what you was that. Miami, where Sam Party played it, and we decided to test it out. It was actually pretty good. Because you like the the prodigy in the main. Um, did you predict uh, all the popular decks that were going to be there at the, the London Championship, namely like Tron? Is it Phoenix? Um, did you expect like I think John, John and I were were surprised to see humans overperformed. Uh, were you? Honestly, we thought humans was going to be there, but not nearly in the numbers that it, was, that it ended up being. But you were prepped for, for the, the other decks, like Tron and Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was testing online, I think right about a third of my total matches were against Tron. Uh, and Phoenix was relatively popular, and it had been leading up to one and Mulligan. Uh, so we were relatively practiced against Phoenix. And you mentioned you did okay. So were there any regrets over the deck selection, deck choices, anything? Um, honestly, the deck felt good. I think I made a mistake that cost me a match. And then I lost a few like really, really close matches against stuff like Phoenix and War Prison. Uh, but in, in general, the deck felt good. Um, the Graveyard Hate spot was a little contentious. We ended up playing two Surgical, two Ravenous Trap. 
I actually almost played a single ley line because of the public deckless rule, because uh, it just forces your opponent to play around it. Adding into, so now with War of the Spark, are there any spicy cards from, from that set that uh, you might be looking to add to your pet deck? Uh, so there's a couple that I've had my eye on. Uh, Ingrat's Rampage does like a weird Dreadborn impression, but can also kill a key artifact sometimes. Uh, the issue with sacrificing artifact in modern is all of the artifact decks typically play a lot of artifacts. Uh, so it's like hard to get the one you want. Uh, the other edict, Liliana's Triumph, is something I'm much more interested in. I know for a while when Liliana of the Veil was still on my sideboard, uh, some of the other shadow players, uh, including myself, were looking for a replacement edict, and there just wasn't a good one in modern. Uh, and Liliana's Triumph has afforded us that opportunity. But I'm not sure the metagame is in a place right now where we want that card, but I'm sure it would be good in the future. And then there's the, the four mana red card, uh, Bolton, that has potential to be good in the deck as just a one mana swerve in addition to Stubborn Denial. But I, it's another card that I don't think is good right now, but it's nice to have access to. Have you played Modern since uh, War of the Spark has been legal? Uh, I haven't played a ton. I've been focusing on standard with all the upcoming MCQs. Uh, but I've played a couple of leagues, and you know I've tried out some of those cards, mainly Liliana's Triumph. And they've been fine, but not stellar. All right. John, John do you have any questions for, for Mike or anyone else? Yeah, I'm always curious to hear. Um, it's always curious to see uh, and follow the uh, No Good Matchup Cabal online led by uh, one BMJ, Ben Jones there. Um, you, guys, you guys definitely did a lot of work, like shattering both. Have you, uh, have you thought about like the new Narsa, for example? I mean, it's like a three-mana Planeswalker. It's kind of a threat-ish. It does some work against control, digs you towards like your other... Um, other um, uh, threats, not threats, but like more gas, etc. Is like, is that something you guys have uh, thought about? Uh, we had a short discussion about Narset, and if something like Blue White Control or Esper Control continues to grow in popularity to the point where it is like uh, Phoenix level popular, and actually, to be truth be told, Narset just sitting in play against Phoenix could be powerful. The issue we run into against the control decks, which are typically the ones that are drawing a bunch of cards, is that we are short on threats, not spells. Uh, and unfortunately, Narset can't find us any of our creatures. So it's a, a little shaky there. Like, it does some good stuff. It, you know, slows them down. It helps us find disruption. But the biggest issue we have in that matchup is not having enough creatures. Yeah, I figure like I figure like the card's good enough. You can maybe reconfigure your uh, seventy-five of it to like have non-spell, uh, non-creature uh, non threats like maybe Bitter Blossom or Liliana of the Veil, etc. But uh, with Jason Mind Sculptor, etc. But uh, you're definitely right. It's more about the creatures and trying to tempo them out first and foremost. Yeah, and those are cards that have moved their way in and out of the sideboard in the past. Uh, whether it be Liliana of the Veil, Liliana of the Last Hope. 
Uh, we've talked about Bitter Blossom. It's kind of dangerous in some matchups, truth be told, uh, because there are some points where you want to get to like four or five life and then stop and not take any more damage for the rest of the game, and you can't effectively remove your own Bitter Blossom. So that gets a little dicey, but it is, you know, a, a card on the surface that looks like it could do work in the deck, and I'm sure people have played it in the deck before uh, to some amount of success. Interesting, cool. All right, one, one of the questions uh, for you, John, is because uh, people want us to speak on it, is like, is Neoform the, the hot new thing, John? Tell us. See, it's, it's it's really the type of uh, deck that would you know likely uh, excite me and interest me at first, right? Because it can win on turn one, etc. But uh, I'm in a weird place now where like my opinion is kind of polar. I think with, with without the London Mulligan, I don't think it's playable, and with the London Mulligan, I think it's worth a ban. So I'm in this like like I'm stuck in this like weird spot. Like, and to be clear, Neoform took second place in an IQ before, uh, this weekend. And this is their first week of being legal in paper. So maybe there's a bit more iterating and um, refining the, the list as is. Um, like, look, it, it, it has an unacceptably high turn one and turn two rate in modern. And even if it folds to like Counterspell or uh, Discard, for example, like it, uh, that, that alone probably means that it's like against the spirit of modern that uh, Wizards intends to. Given that Pro Tour Barcelona is in a few months, and you know they already said that they're already gonna they're already gonna try out the uh, Mulligan the London Mulligan rule, like I, I see no reason for me to uh, keep iterating on it. I'll let Hidemind do that if it if it is indeed interesting. But yeah, Neoform is like it's a real deck. It's a real combo, even though it might be fragile. But I just don't think it'll survive uh, the implementation of the, uh, the London Mulligan rules. And for me, I don't have interest because of that. Man. Coming from the degenerate man himself, uh, John, could you let our listeners know how a bit, like really quickly, as how the deck actually functions and kills really fast? Sure. So you're you're really only um, only looking for five to six cards, but how it wins on turn. Your aim is to try and win on turn on one, turn one or turn two. And the key linchpin cards are one Allosaurus Rider, which is a seven mana uh, creature. Really matter. Although I've won with the Allosaurus Rider beatdowns before, but the key is that it's a seven mana creature, and what Neoform does is it can evolve, sacrifice a creature, and evolve it into a creature that's um, the, the sacrificed creature is CMC plus one, which means Grizzlebrand. So what you can do is you can either have a Smear Spirit Guide land hand or like a Chancellor of the Tangle hand, and uh, you can cast you can cast Allosaurus Rider, which states that you may you may it into play without paying its mana cost if you uh, exile two other green cards. Or uh, you can metamorphose the uh, Simeon Spirit Guide's uh, red mana into blue-green and evolve it into Grizzlebrand, draw a bunch of cards, uh, cast Notion Shoal, Pitching Giant uh, green creatures, and then basically you can, you can win the game however you want here on turn one or turn two. The win conditions have varied anywhere from a Lightning Storm to Seismic Assault to Laboratory Maniac, to um, Conflagrate. Basically, anything that can win with three Simming Spirit Guides is what you want. So it is, a, it, is a, um, it is unique in that it doesn't fold to Graveyard Hate or, or it doesn't fold to uh, Creature Kill. Like, in fact, 
for Cheerios, which are other, which are the other uh, two uh, turn to kill, uh, kill decks, which is unique, right? So the only the real hates are like Graph Digger's Cage or Discard of Permission, but which is uh, it's really, really unique because there's only a narrow uh, range of um, hate that really works against the deck. But I think consistency is a very, very big issue here. With the London Mulligan, definitely helped, and without it, I don't think it has the legs to survive. But maybe I'm wrong. Okay, and uh, so this past weekend, you ended up playing a tournament. You ended up playing Modern, and you ended up playing a tournament where you can win significant monies, which is not the case for, for Canada most of the time, if not all of the time. So uh, tell, tell us what, about that tournament. Yeah, so Geek Fortress, uh, absent the typical GP at uh, GP Seattle, which is typically um, eternal format. Hosted their first events here. Shout out to them. Um, so it was kind of like a 4K with like one and uh, 1,500 going to first and 1,000 going to second. Uh, unfortunately, I came second, but 1,000 USD <laughs> is like infinite Canadian, so I'm, I'm still pretty happy. Um, so yeah, I played Dredge. I posted about my battle. Pl- I posted my battle plan to the Patreon uh, subscribers uh, last week. You know, I was very transparent about what I what I would change. Blast Zone was a very big hit in Dredge. Um, it just gives you so much coverage on like hate pieces and you know just like controlling the board that can that can be tutored and recurred by Life in the Loam and the Dredge mechanic. And yeah, so I. Lost two matches uh, all day. I think I played pretty well. I think I played pretty tight. The funny thing is um, we got kicked out at 11 p.m. because the tournament had logistical issues and started late. We had to, uh, we had, we had to get kicked out of the convention center at 11 p.m. So like any good uh, old PTQ story, we went over to across the street to a Marriott, went to a bar and sat down and just actually played our uh, game three of the finals. Uh, really fun uh, experience. and. My only punt really here is that I didn't order my glass of Long Island before the uh, game three. <laughs> really, why I lost, I was like playing game three sober. Like, who does that, right? So, unfortunately, I was second, lost Jun, which I think is a pretty fantastic, uh, hey, um, fantastic matchup. And the thing is, like, I noticed that I, I thought that because of the Pro Tour result, Graveyard Hate would be on the downswing, and it was. Like, the Golgari and the Gen opponents in uh, the quarterfinals and the finals only had three to four Nile spell bombs. No ley line, no surgical, nothing. So I think I made the right call here, and I think I played as well as I could. So no regrets, but, you know, I got unlucky, and, uh, yeah, I came home with a 1K USD. Not bad, I guess. Did we meet any? Did I meet anyone in, in Calgary that did well? Like, the Warren Smith, and was, was Tobias playing? Uh... Yeah, so Warren, Warren Smith actually got a shout-out from Ari Lax and the Turn 1 Thoughts these podcast here. He's been iterating on the, the Monored Phoenix deck with the finale of uh, Promise. So we, we've kind of been discussing it in our uh, Phoenix Cabal chat, so to speak. And uh, yeah, this finale of Promise seems pretty promising in a, a Phoenix deck, both in blue, red, and red. And uh, yeah, he, he lost, like two of our groups played the Monored Phoenix uh, deck Warren went X2. Um, I unfortunately had to beat my friend, uh, my carmate, who was also playing the Mono Red Phoenix deck for my winning end. And uh, yeah, I, I think um, War, so Warren did well, and I think that leg also has some legs, and uh, you know, mm. we're, we're in the lab uh, iterating and reiterating. Well, he's always experimenting, so it's good to see him getting some love, some shout-outs, and, and seeing his less do well. 
Um, Derek, have you ever won 1K USD at a tournament, at a Magic tournament, all your years of grinding? Uh, I mean, technically, I've won 1,500 USD twice. But, I mean, that's only because I, uh, I only win moto events. And... <laughs> They can't give you cash or playing incentive for online events, so you have to show up to the event to get paid. And that normally involves uh, them putting 1500 US money into your PayPal account <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> but I, I would consider that the same thing uh, in theory. Like, I technically won $1,500 to get a game loss or a match loss in London. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you want to call it winning, do what you want, but I'm, I'm not going to call it winning. <laughs> um, John, John spoke about like how, how he was transparent about the deck he was playing and he played the exact deck that he played. And, uh, you can get that patreon.com slash first strike. If you're a supporter of the, of the show, uh, we got an upcoming guide from Andy also on Esper control. So we're talking about being transparent. When you post, you're going to play a deck, you're going to play it. And I think Derek, uh, you, I don't know, I, I stumbled upon some thread where this was uh, an issue. I mean, what happened? Uh, so As per mid-range, my bad. As per mid-range by Andy. I was, okay, uh, I was watching the SCG this weekend, and I, I know a good amount of the SCG players at this point from, from uh, mutuals or just being on Twitter. And I know Rudy. I've teamed with Rudy at a, a team SCG before. Rudy Brixa, by the way, top eight at the Open this weekend. Uh, and I know they they put all their their uh, deck lists out for what what is the it's Team Nova who they which they ripped off like the original Team Nova is Gabe Sang, D Rude, and Nasif for for all those people who want a little bit of Magic history. That was Team Nova, anyways. Um, they, the Team Nova, and they, they put all their deck lists on Hipsters of the Coast. I go, I go to the website to see what uh, Harlan's deck list is because Bant Flash, that looks cool up my alley. I like mid-range cards, you know, play a little Teferi, play a little uh, Nissa Small, Vivian, get there, you know. I go there. Half the players aren't playing the list that they posted that they were playing, and I, I'm looking at some of these deck lists, and they're atrocious. They're stone unplayable like i think harlan originally posted he was going to play blue green mid-range stompy and so i tweeted like hey why isn't the team next team nova playing the deck list they said they were going to play like kind of tongue-in-cheek like i put hashtag drama and then and i i didn't at them because i didn't know their handle i put hashtag don't know their handle sort of thing and then somebody mentions me and links Harlan's Twitter and Harlan posted that he had changed deck lists and put the deck list on his Twitter for complete transparency. I'm like, oh, cool. And I quote tweeted that. Uh, Harlan posted it. Drama over. And it must have been like eight hours later and people are in my mentions tearing Team Nova apart because they switched deck lists after two of them put it in the top eight. And I was just like, I didn't mean to start it. It wasn't, wasn't my fault that it started. But, I mean, just be like John and, and be transparent. Just play the deck list you say you're going to play, even if it's trash. Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I felt when you tweeted, I, I, I read it as tongue-in-cheek. Um, and Everything I, I do is tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> like, at this point, if, if you don't know that, like, I don't know what to tell you. I think as long as the, the person's giving out what he actually would play at the time, I mean, I, I, I give the person all the time, especially like Ruda said, they have, to, they have to post it by Wednesday. I mean, if they audible, they audible to, to me. But if it's truly what they thought about playing at that time, then, then that's fine by me. Um, Michael, you're pretty transparent yourself. Um, you've been posting like an update to your Death Shadow deck like every week or a new guide every single tournament. Is that the deck you're actually playing at the events? I gotta know. Uh, so every event that I've played Death Shadow, I have tweeted my list either like the Thursday or Friday beforehand, uh, with the exception of the Pro Tour, where I tweeted it after round five. Um, and I think a lot of the guys that I work with on the deck do. Uh, you know, Ben posts lists regularly. Brandon posts lists regularly. Uh, we you know, we're out to help the community as much as we can with that, right? So we, I get a lot of people that ask me questions after I post a deck list, and they, you know, it's about various card choices. And we, you know, if we wanted to, could lead people astray in that manner, but that doesn't do anybody any good, right? Um because like we're out here trying to better ourselves at the same time that is helping everybody else around us. You know, if we if we're spending time putting out lists that we don't think are right, that's just detracting from us actually figuring things. So it it doesn't do anybody any good to publish lists that you wouldn't play yourself at. Just like how uh, Jonathan, I like to brand him. I don't know if he likes it or not. As like the god of the graveyard, the the underground beast or whatever. Uh, do you enjoy being known as like the Death Shadow expert? I, I think you've built that brand really well, just because you won the tournament with it, a GP with it, and then you consistently play it, and it's the consistent deck that you keep updating on your Twitter. So, do you enjoy being the Death Shadow guy, known as the Death Shadow guy? Yeah, it, it's funny because after Toronto, um, you know, I did the interview with you and then I had a couple other people reach out to me that wanted to talk about the deck. And I noticed on Goldfish at the time, it was like in the top five most played decks, but I never saw any content for it. Like nobody was writing about it regularly. Like Ben Jones was like tweeting lists here and there. Brandon was tweeting lists here and there, but nobody was really working on the deck. Uh, so I saw that it's a good opportunity to, you know, at least rally the Death Shadow players that I knew uh, to try to get people working on the deck, try to bring, you know, attention to the deck, because obviously a lot of people are playing it, but no one's really talking. Sweet. So, okay, let's, let's jump straight to standard. How's your preparation been going, Mike? Uh, pretty good. I've tried a couple of different things. Like, I played my red. It feels all right. Uh, I've played the Bant Flash deck. It feels all right. Um, I've been playing Esper Hero for the last couple of days, and that deck feels really good if it is well-tuned. I think having an, a good mono-red matchup and a good Nexus matchup uh, is an important thing right now. Even if those decks, specifically Nexus, I don't think Nexus is 
as good as people say it is right now, especially after how we saw it perform last weekend. But I think it is still a deck that people are going to play a lot, so having a good matchup against it is important. Well, what's your first important tournament in Standard coming up? Uh, I, have an, I have an MCQ this weekend, uh, and then I'll be at SCG Syracuse next weekend. Um, so I'm trying to roll those tournaments together, kind of. And then I think there's two MCQs the weekend after that, but I'm not bothered. Okay. Okay, let's, I'll, I'll jump to Andy now, who's been last, last known, last we heard, he was slaying a misplaced ginger in, in, in the streets, in the immortal streets. Um, how is he? <laughs> Derek looks at me with those eyes. Andy, uh, since then, after, after slaying notable players such as misplaced ginger, how's your standard testing going? Uh, so originally I was all over uh, the, the Simic Nexus deck. I thought it got the most powerful tools from the new set. And I thought it was one of the more powerful combo decks I've played. But then I played a league where I played in in five rounds. I played against two main deck Cinder Vines and, uh, th- and then three Thief of Sanity decks. And I was like, probably can't play this deck. And so then I just decided to move on. And I tried some other decks and I've... Uh, Started to have a lot of success with uh, Esper Hero, the same deck, uh, the same deck as Michael, and it's um, it's been just crushing. I found once I found a really good tuned list with uh, the right removal spells and the uh, the right amount of threats that I was starting to beat just everything. And then from there, like I played, I think I was talking to Elliot and Derek. I played like three leagues where I four won three times, losing only to the mirror, and then I five owed. And then I 3 2 but we don't talk about that one. But, uh, like, I, all I've lost to, really, is, uh, like, mono, like the Phoenix deck. I think you're a slight dog to control. I think uh, if the Phoenix deck is good, I don't think you're good against it, because it absolutely demolished me. And I think um, you're pretty good against red. You're very good against mono white. And you're very good against... And you're, uh, you're pretty good against Bant. I think Bant has a hard time beating the card Teferi. Like... Turns off the whole reason their game plan is even like appetizing is because of all their flash creatures. And if they can't do that, then their game plan is pretty anemic. So I think uh, Esper Hero is the deck that I would play right now. And I wrote a deck guide for it for the, the Patreon. I have uh, possibly going to a PTQ in Ottawa in a couple weeks. And then I have the Arena PTQ in three weeks. So I will be almost certainly playing it for those. And I think. Uh, once we crunch some of the numbers down, I think it's uh, very well positioned right now. Uh, we often ask if a, if a deck is, uh, I don't know, we often do this, but uh, if a certain deck is playing the best spells or creatures or whatever in the format, do you feel that way about the Esper Heroes deck, Andy? It, it is a, what it does best is that it attacks from multiple angles, I think. It's like, and it also has a lot of army and a can type creatures. So I think what it does is it presents a lot of must-kill threats that snowball. That, that means if your opponent's answers don't line up correctly, then you're going to be extremely far ahead, even if they kill it a couple turns later. And then it just has a lot of good Planeswalkers. And I think it's hard for decks to deal with both at the same time. One of the problems is you don't have a lot of good ways to smooth out your draws, so you're at the mercy of like the order you draw your cards sometimes with the, mid, the mid-range deck. And I think uh, that's okay, because your cards are pretty powerful. When you do curve out, it's really hard for decks to beat you. And you, like I said, attack from multiple different angles. And I think it's hard for control decks to keep up with those angles. 
And I think uh, the other decks, sometimes you can go over the top of them. Like with Hero, Hero goes over the top of some decks pretty fast, especially if you ever draw two. And I think it's just a very powerful spell deck, full of a lot of powerful spells. Okay, Elliot's planning to play the Montreal MCQ that uh, we face-to-face games are are hosting this weekend. And of course, we're hosting the Toronto one later in the month. Elliot, what? Where's your head at? Are you on Esper Heroes as well? Are you on the same train? Usually you're on the same train as Andy. Yeah, I'm, I've gotten on the Andy train. I'm, I'm riding in the caboose right now, and I'm going to play Esper <laughs> Hero, it looks like. Um, but to, like, to loop back to, to what happened with Team Nova and Rudy, you know, Rudy's a friend of mine, don't know the rest of the guys that well. Um, but I'm totally one to flip-flop, and me saying Esper Hero now is no guarantees. I, I spoke to some people last week, and you know, I was hard, I was like, "There's no way I'm not going to play Nexus." It beats all the hate with Blast Zone, so good. And then by Friday, I was like, "Well, if I was going to play the SCG, I would not play Nexus. I don't know what I would play, but it's not Nexus." Um, I ended up playing the Bant deck for a bit. I, I did actually like it. Um, I think the big weakness of the Bant deck is it has a rough mono red matchup, um, and I think. You know, I think I have had some technology. I, I played against it a couple times, managed to beat it with the Wanderer, um, which is sort of like a bit of an obscure uncommon from the new sets. Uh, four mana Planeswalker, and the relevant text is that uh, creatures or prevent all non-combat damage dealt to you and uh, other permanents you control. So in a lot of the games against Monored post-board, uh, you know, you have a bit of life gain with Knight of Ottoman stuff. And so you can kind of draw the game out a bit, but usually the cases you lose to their inevitability of the burn spells are just going upstairs. Uh, but with Shalai and the Wanderer, it's actually just a hard lock. They can't, they can't kill Shalai, they can't kill the Wanderer, and they can't burn you. So th- eventually your board just, you know, the creatures in the Wanderer deck kind of suck when they get to that point. Um, so I think that, you know, if you're, if you're going to play Bant, which I think is a totally fine deck, that's probably something you should look into. Um, but yeah, right now I'm I'm pretty heavily leaning towards Esper. Uh, you know, also to answer your question from earlier, whether it's the best cards deck, you know, gold cards tend to be the best cards. Uh, the Esper deck is full of them because the the hero rewards you for playing them. So not only are you playing the best cards, but you're getting an extra benefit out of them. So um, I'm looking forward to playing more of that and then changing my mind three times from now, between now and the event. Yeah. So just to talk about the Nova thing, so I think the thing that people were upset about is that it's like the article is branded Team Nova's deck lists for SCG Richmond. Like there's a million different titles that serve the same purpose that are that could be much more accurate than that. And like maybe me as a watcher, I would uh, go to Team or Hipsters the Coast and see what Team Nova's playing. Now there's no way in hell I'm going to check what they're playing on Hipsters, right? Like. <laughs> I don't think they were intentionally misleading anybody. I think they just audible, which is fine. But it's just a it's just a dumb name for an article when it's if like there's not going to be some like uh, avenue to update it or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to fact check them on their past articles with the same title for for other events. I'm I'm pretty sure they do it for every SCG they go to or every big event um, that they're planning on attending. Um, and so I think that it was you know the populace was sort of the victim of this being a week one tournament. Things were not set in stone. And, you know, there was a lot of testing to be done in between when the article went up, you know, I think they said it went up on Wednesday. So, you know, you know, the decks probably were kind of finalized by Tuesday night and that's 
three full days of testing. You know, Rudy said that they saw the deck Friday afternoon and locked it in Friday night, this Bant deck. Uh, they, they found it on a Twitch stream. I forget the name of the streamer. I wish we could shout him out uh, for was, building that uh, deck. F, F2K Moon or it, Frankie Moon on Twitter or something. Uh, Harlan mentioned him in the thread at some point. I can't remember. Yeah, so I mean, like, speci- like a, especially for a week one tournament. I agree. It's doubt they. I don't believe they were being misleading intentionally. Um, you know, could they have posted like an updated section of it in a perfect world? Probably yes, but uh, I think by the time they were they were locked in their deck lists, it was you know even too late for that. So, uh, bit unfortunate. Bit unfortunate that Derek brought light to it. I think Rudy's a good guy, and uh, I don't know. It was, well, week, just, it was a week one tournament. Give him I, just wanted, I just wanted to see his deck list in round 12. So I could load it into Moto and see if it was good or not. And I just, I just wanted the deck list. Uh, it's not my fault. Eric, to be fair on Cardboard Live uh, application, you can actually just export it right now. See, now. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It, it's not intuitive. I don't know. Don't expect these things of me. They're I did it the hard way. The computers. Yeah, I I mythbustered it, um, and uh, I don't don't ask me to do anything. Basically. Okay. So, okay, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I just wanted to put my piece on that. Um, I think there's like some weird animosity towards uh, portraying the wrong information on hipsters' end, but I don't think that's on them, right? Uh, you know, they, they do this for every every tournament. They ask no for their deck lists. And I think the blame, if there is any, is more on Harlan and Rudy for, you know, going back on what they said they were doing. Even, you know, they have the right to do that. Um, but if they did see the deck, you know, Friday evening or whatever, uh, you know, posting an update is hard to do, right? Because, you know, if you have magic content that wants to be up for the weekend, it generally has to be up by Thursday afternoon in order for it to be valid, right? Well, I mean, I can tell you for free right now that Andy sent Carr his deck guide at 4 p.m. It's still not posted. It's 10 p.m. What gives Carr? (laughs) Where's the turnaround time? The people want it. Oh, busy man, busy man. Okay. And, and credit to Harlan. Harlan did tweet the deck like almost immediately. This wasn't like he tweeted in response to Derek. This was like he posted the deck before the tournament. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if if Rudy posted it, I definitely would have seen it. I didn't follow Harlan. I think that was part of the issue. I think if, but it wasn't just those two who switched decks. Um, who's at Weird Land guy? I don't know his real name. Will, Will Pulliam. Will Pulliam. Yeah, he he also audibled. Because the deck he played was unplayable. It was like some black red pile, and he audible to mono red. He won, by the way. So, yeah, yeah. He, he, the deck he actually played was, I think, good. The deck he he put in that article was bad. Um, but he didn't post that he was changing deck lists. And I, I personally don't have a problem if people are going to do the old bamboozle on somebody, whether on purpose or not. But uh, you know, if if you're gonna speak on transparency, you might as well just do like the full transparency and just be like, "This is what happened. This is what's going on. We don't want to bamboozle you." 
here's our deck list. And then like, if they win the event, you'll still go check their website anyways. But like, if they're not going to post the real deck list, like why am I giving them clicks? Right. All right. All right. Moving on. We had Mike on Esper Heroes, Andy on Esper Heroes, Elliot on Esper Heroes, and Derek, I think you tweeted that you took it for a spin on the stream. And last we heard, always on the green-black train. So really curious to know, where is your head at in standard? Green-black or Esper? Well, it's definitely not green-black. Um, I think... Oh, I think the deck you have the clip not- where you say, like, green-black's the deck, all you have to do is adjust, and you can beat anything. <laughs> The the difference between that format and this format is the average power level of cards now is much higher than it was before, where the the reactivity of green black is not powerful enough. And to put this into specifics, like Nexus, I think is a very powerful deck and is doing something extremely linear. And green black can't adjust to beat that because it needs to also adjust to be everything else. And because everything's so powerful, it's sort or linear, like you need immediate answers and it just can't do that. Um, it's just not the way you can build the deck in the colors that you're given. I did play Andy's Esper Heroes list. I went 0-2 into 5-0. So I definitely think the deck has legs. It needs to be tuned. There's there's a couple a couple issues I had specifically, but I think that those three colors are the best colors you want to be in, you have Thought Seas, you have Removal Spells, you have Powerful Planeswalkers. I played the Bant deck. My issue with that one is it has no good removal spells. You need to be ahead. The moment you're not ahead, you're losing the game. And I know that sounds extreme, but it's just straight up the truth. When you play a Synergy deck and your opponent throws a, a, a wrench in your cogs and you're just sitting there like, okay, well now I need to go like spell, spell, spell in this order, like it's probably like Vivian into counter your spell crisis to fuel back up. It's like, that's just not happening, especially when there's a thought season, the format, right? So the, the deck also can't answer other problematic planeswalkers. So your opponent plays a three mana to fairy. You have no way to answer it. You play deputy attention. They'll just kill it. Whatever. You know, you know what I mean? Like they've drawn a card already To, to me. The deck was very powerful for the weekend because people weren't playing it or they were underestimating it. Uh, you probably got a couple Mystic Snake gets in in the deck, but I think in general that deck is just not good enough and can't will not stand up to the rest of the format. Um, as for Nexus, like I said, the deck's powerful, but I don't think it's good. And what I mean by good is that if you have a deck that is built to beat it, Nexus will just lose like almost every time. Where if you have a deck like Green Black, which is just like sort of to beat the format or to like do a middling thing the entire time, Nexus will crush it. But like obviously people adjust and three minute to fairy is also a house. Um I probably play Esper Hero right now. Uh Edgar's been trying to get me to play Esper Control. I have a huge disdain for control decks. I think they're generally unplayable. Um and it's also just really not my style. I do think the Esper control deck is good, but I think you not only have to build it perfectly, you have to play perfectly, which I don't think is possible for you to do enough 
where you also like the margins where you get lucky enough where the cards line up well also have to be like in the right area like it's too many moving things that have to go right and i just don't think it's possible um but whatever i'm playing the mocks not this weekend but the following weekend so i hope to find a deck by then right now it's looking like Esper hero but we'll see anything can happen has anybody been trying this? Like, no one's talking about the Celestia tokens deck. Is it just bad? Is this, is this the consensus here? Nobody in this call is named Zachary Kinney. And unless you get him on the show, I think everybody will just agree that that deck is not very good. Um, and that's the end of the story on that one. <laughs> so I, uh, I have an, another buddy named Zach. His last name is Turgeon. Um, he top aided GP New Jersey, I think. The standard one that was around that time. Uh, with green white tokens and Zach actually Zach Keen, who is a person that lives near both of us, actually approached Zach for the deck and has been playing it ever since. Ooh. What what does he think about it? Uh I can tell you that. Zach is currently sitting about 20 feet from me playing Esper Hero. Yeah, I remember I can't remember when it was but I remember talking to not Turgeon, other Zach, and just like saying like, man, like you can just never beat Green Black, you can never beat a fine finality, you can never like, you can't do these things consistently. He's like, I don't know, man, I just keep winning. And then he just spiked the the arena thing and where he's like oh he's the last player in the world playing it it's like yeah he's the only one that has success with it because nobody else is playing it <laughs> like i don't it's it's very odd that he is he is doing so well with it i don't know if if you ask me like i would just not put that deck close to top tier at all but if he wants to keep winning with it let's go yeah i think that specifically this SCG top eight I think you can glean a lot of information from what people because if you look at the names on the top, they're all people that you would expect to be among the top you know, 15 or 20 in the room anyway in new standard that does your job. I don't know if week one standard is uh, is normally like that, but in my, in my experience, week one standard like nobody really breaks it. They just sort of whoever's playing a deck the best. And I think that's what you're trying to get at. Uh, you had like some very good players playing some decent decks very well, probably. And they were just beating up on the people who didn't know what they were doing with poorly built decks. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at the names in the top eight, right? Like you had Harlan, you had Ender, you had Rudy, you had Paul. Uh, among a few others I'm probably forgetting, any given SCG open room, people are probably in the top 10 players in the room. And in an open format where a lot of people's decks are bad, those people are going to naturally rise to the top even more than they already do. So I don't know that you get a lot of information from the decks they played because they were already at such an advantage. I mean... Uh, I agree that they were at a very high advantage, but I think you can take something away from that is that the the hive mind of 
players that are playing Magic are normally not good enough to realize that their deck is bad and they're part of the hive mind, if that makes sense. Like, the trend, like, we, we all saw the trend of Nexus uh, on, on the up and up, and then you see at the SCG, it comes to a stop, and Nexus goes down. And uh, I think that's what, that's what separated a lot of good players from bad players is the recognition that, or the, I don't even know if that's the right word, that playing Nexus was a bad choice playing a proactive strategy was better. Um, maybe you could omit as for control, but I don't know. I, th- I think that you, you'll, you can like sort of pull that information the most away from this weekend. Okay. As a whole, I think you can extrapolate that pretty easily. I, I was just speaking on like, you know, is for control, good deck to be playing. There's two copies of the puppet. Who knows, right? It was Edgar and somebody else playing. And if you put the topic any SCG open go. Yeah. I don't know. I think but I, I do actually think as for control is a good deck. Um I think that most players won't be able to play it well. Um or build it correctly. Even if you look at the two Esper decks that made top eight they are extremely different. Like, I want to say 10 cards different. Um, I, I don't know. There, there's, no, there's no salt high. There wasn't as much salt high in top 32. There's a quite, like, a fair amount of Nexus, I think, and then, like, a lot of mono red. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that the players, I would expect, to be at the top, we're at the top, but I also think that the decks they chose um, are good decks, and I would expect that to be the metagame going forward. All right. We've heard from everyone, Esper Heroes. John, John, give me some hope. Is there anything in in the lab that you're cooking? I mean, I was a bit inspired by uh, Bob Wang, and uh, he and his friends have been testing uh, Blue Green Stompy, you know, the old uh, Galta deck. With the Thorn Lieutenants for Red, Departed Deckhand, because that's a playable card, apparently, and God, God Eternal Ronus. Um, the premise being that it's pretty, uh, it's favored against Red, uh, Esper, and Nexus. So I've been testing it a, a bit with uh, Bob. It's kind of medium. It's just like I've won like two-thirds of the matches, but it, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't pass the sniff test. And... Uh, I'm thinking of just uh, going back to the uh, old reliable red, but uh, I'm I'm a bit concerned that none of you guys have mentioned red as a good week two deck, and it might not be because of all the tension it's getting. So, does anyone here actually think red's good? I don't even think it was a good week one deck. I'm I'm surprised it did so well, but I guess I'm also not surprised because. Looking at deck lists, a lot of people misbuilt their deck, and there's a lot of Simic Nexus in that room. And just, I guess red was a good choice for that reason, but I normally just think the red decks are trash. Even if you look at them now, they're just kind of bad. I don't know, put a Wildgrowth Walker in your deck or something. I think the thing with red is that new Chandra is, is very good. It's so much better than I thought it was. And like, when if you don't have like just straight Planeswalker removal, that card is just going to live forever and then kill you. 
Uh, if not, it just like fives you while drawing like a card or two on the way out. I think New Chandra is actually very good. Yeah, I agree with that. But I I also like I also think that that's what I mean when I say people are misbuilding their decks, right? Like not having answered a planeswalker when Teferi is the best card in standard is kind of insane to me. Not having creature removal when one of the best creatures is Thief of Sanity is like kind of weird to me also, right? And I think this is why like people are dramatically misbuilding their deck is they either they're either weighted to one side where it's like cruel cruel aggro with with no uh late game or it's like nexus where they just can't beat a resolved three drop so i don't know i i think the premise here is that you know week one and week two you want to be as proactive as possible chandra has been very good it's like it's kind of deceptive right it's like a lava spike with upside uh creature based or damage based removal doesn't work doesn't interact well with it and as derek said like the list right now aren't built to combat red like there's not not a lot of d sparks and contempts etc that can cleanly answer chandra and the other thesis is that people who have pretty much retired world growth walker which was the bane of um, red's existence over the last few few uh, seasons so my, my my thought is if week two people are still um putting uh, wild growth walker in retirement um you know maybe it's a, maybe that's a good choice like i've seen red decks like grind through all the moments of craving all the contempt all the absorbs etc and just like i'll grind an expert Esperless, for example and uh, that, that's what impressed me it has a very good early game and a relatively robust late game which is not something that i can say about a lot of decks Alrighty, we're just going to wrap it up here. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for coming on. And I know you've begun to, to write articles to contribute uh, content outside of your Twitter feed. You, you wrote some articles here and there. And uh, where can people find some of your latest stuff? Uh, so, I post on Twitter so that you can find me there at Rapacious One. Uh, I publish a weekly article for Hipsters of the Coast, so you can catch me there. Uh, it's usually out. Thursday mornings. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Michael Rapp. Uh, I think that's it for right now. I think I'm going to start trying to get into streaming or video content soon, but that's a little way in the future. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on once again, and I hope to see you crush another big tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a ton of fun to do this with you guys. Alrighty, that was uh, GP champion Michael Rapp, Toronto. Great to have him on. Okay, I think I think you guys convinced me. As, as per heroes, it is at, at least to start off with. And uh, I mean, I was getting go go ahead, Andy. I said, are we all going to be on the same deck? Or are we going to be like a team of sorts? Because I'll post what I'm playing. I'm off it. I can't do this anymore. I, I can't do this. <laughs> we need to do... I'll put it on magic.facebasegames.com team first strike decks. Just like... That's for heroes. It's just all the same list of like a card or two different. The moment you do that, everybody's going to know the deck's bad. <laughs> Just post an article that says this deck's bad. Please don't play it, and then get just get pain to insult it a bit. <laughs> that's content, right? Like that's that's just what people like now. Just name players insulting things. 
Isn't there a TV show like that where the, the angry cook just insults the, the sous chef and people watch it all the time? Yeah. What's that show called? Who is that guy? The old white guy. Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. Ramsay. Yeah, Gordon Ramsay. It could be the Gordon Ramsay of Magic the Gathering decks. We just send name pros bad deck lists and have them insulted. Oh, I'm so smart. <laughs> this is a million dollar idea. Why did I say this out loud? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, can't wait. So so who's playing this weekend outside of well, Elliot's a lock and any of you guys? John's a lock. MCQ? Yeah, we got the Seattle Mock Sporting House MCQ and uh, a bunch of us from Vancouver is going to try to invade uh, their home territory like we did last week. Ooh, I like that. Derek... <laughs> I'm just probably going to be playing online. I got I think there's one close to me June 1st, and then there's the one at Face to Face Toronto on the 15th. And those, those are the only two I'm playing. I missed the one in RIW Comics. Uh, comics? RIW. The one in Michigan last weekend, Fournier Top 8. It's only like three hours from my house. I didn't realize. Like the same distance as Toronto. Hmm. I was uh, I was asking Elliot if I had a hundred dollars, should I should I spend it on Arena or or MTGO? He said, "Why not both?" I'm like, I mean, what if I could only spend a hundred dollars on one of them? Derek, what would be your suggestion to me? It really depends on your your goal uh, to get to get as good as standard as quickly as possible. Magic Online. Um. Not only that, you can probably get a good amount of your investment back. Uh, like it, any deck you can buy, or like if you just want to invest in mana traders, like you can just put the money in. Once you're once you're good at a deck, you start making money back, and then you just can sell it all for like I think Carhorn is now buying at eighty eight cents or whatever on the dollar, which is like pretty high uh, if you convert to Canadian. So like probably worth it for moto and the competition on arena is bad it's just not it's not where you want to be if you want to be getting better it's good enough in a sense like you'll play decent players but not consistently enough where you'll like notice an advancement in your game there's still problems with like phases stopping or like people are clicking through their turns with uh nexus or the reclamation doesn't stop at the right time or something right like there, there's still certain issues and if you want to get better you just can't have that happen all right andy what, what have you been crushing arena or, or moto uh moto actually i Ooh, uh, oh, oh. went back to just a lot of moto testing just um basically because i think uh, you get a lot of quality at because the players who were there are like most of them are like heavily invested grinders or I should say a lot of them, maybe not most. And so you get to see what the like, the grinders are playing, the people who like battle in for every edge they can possibly get, right? So these are the people constantly tuning their deck lists, and these are the kind of people I want to play against uh, when the set starts. Okay. We're going to close the show. Again, to support the show, go to patreon.com slash first strike, or just like, subscribe, or show. Just like, I mean, just share it on Facebook, on Twitter. Again, I, I talk about how that's like the hugest help because it is. Because if you tweet it out and you have 
even 10 people following you and one other person checks it out, that would, and if it just happens all the time for every listener, then it would just double our listenership. So just doing that is a huge help. But if you want to contribute monetarily, you can do so as well at patreon.com slash first strike. Actually, I have one more question for Derek on the subject of like potentially having to rent a deck on card hoarders. Would you recommend renting or buying a house? Okay, well, why why buy a house when you can sleep in your car? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Game over. Game over. Oh, this is a finance podcast. Yeah, be, be careful, Derek. You might get blocked on Twitter by some. Oh, people. yeah. I didn't, I didn't get blocked at all. I, I still have access to see everything. Rob even jumped in at one point and was saying reasonable things, and there was just no response. Oh man, uh, it depends. I don't know. Buying a house is better. <laughs> Right. We'll just leave it at that. But the, the key information that Derek learned, I felt like, is, and, and Elliot w- uh, said that it was true, is that Montreal is cheaper than it sounds. So, and it's a great oh, yeah. city, obviously. obviously I'm going to move to Montreal Russia. in the next five years. My five year plan live in Montreal for a year. <laughs> All right. Sounds good for the rest of the guys. We, thanks for uh, being in the chat. Thanks for joining us. And we will talk to you next week. And hopefully, Elliot, actually, call your shot, Elliot. Uh, I'm going to lose in the quarterfinals. <laughs> okay, he's going to lose in the quarterfinals, and we'll catch you next week to see if that happened. Ciao, everyone.